Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Katie, and welcome to 360 View. This is where we explore a broad range of ideas on all things affecting your body, your wellness, and your mind. And welcome back, viewers, to 360. We hope you have had an amazing week. So, for this week, we are delving into part two of our interview with Blake Repine. In this episode, Blake is going to delve a little bit deeper into the ins and outs of the narrative of your life and how you can use that to create your ideal life, understanding, as he said in part one, that there's never going to be a full life without stress, but it's all about managing it that matters. So we hope you get some gems out of this one and we will see you on the other side. And that definitely Um, comes down to people then believing that they are a certain type of person when they are going into that. Like they believe they can be an amazing sports person and they believe they're this, that, or the other thing, but they believe they're that person who does it. They're not, because often people will have that belief of I'm a shy person or I'm this or I'm that, which is going directly against the goal that they're trying to achieve. Yeah, sometimes you have to back up and, and really dig deep and find out where are those beliefs coming from. Um, you know, because some of those are rooted very much from a very young age, you know, how we're, how we're raised and things like that and the environment we're raised in and what we're told. Um, and they actually do, you know, they, they follow us the rest of our lives. And typically to change a core belief like that, it can take a very strong experience, usually a strong traumatic experience, um, you know, something else, or it can take an incredibly long period of time to reprogram those beliefs. So it's not going to be overnight. You're not going to go to, and that's where, you know, you see a lot of the stuff around the, you know, in the self-help industry. Um, it's very much weekend seminar based, you know, that quick down and dirty, we're going to change your life in one weekend. No, you're not, mm-hmm. you know, the, those core beliefs, you're not going to change them that quick. And so again, you have to be realistic with yourself and understand, you know, well, first you have to dig, find out, why, why do I feel this way about myself? Why do I lack confidence in this area? Why do I believe that I'm this way and really work that out and go, okay, well, how do I change that? And sometimes you're, you're going to have to get help from, you know, even a medical professional, a mental health professional to change some of those core beliefs, depending on how embedded they are and how, you know, um, how serious they are. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's incredibly difficult sometimes to change that those things, but you have to do it. And, and it's little steps again, you know, uh, just putting yourself out there, um, starting to believe in yourself, having that confidence. And sometimes, too, the, the environment we're in makes a big difference. And that's where I, I you know, tell people sometimes you got to change the context of where you're at. Um, and this, so if you look at um, parents, for example, they'll always see you as their child. You know, they always see you as this kid. They always imagine you as like this teenager who's out there doing stupid stuff. You always need their direction or their help, you know, and they're always going to kind of be over you. Um, or, you know, uh, I'll give you an example of myself. There's there's some people that I knew, you know, that I hung out with probably 20 plus years ago when I was very young, dumb, partied a lot, you know, drinking all the time, things like that. And they still see me that way when, they're, you know, they're they're not necessarily close with me anymore. But, you know, occasionally you do kind of have a conversation with one of them and they say, oh, you know, are you still like this? And you go, no, because people know you in the context that they've met you in, or that they've known you the longest. So, um, you know, example of that, some people, they only know me as a weightlifting coach because that's the only time that they interact with me. So that's how they view you. And they see these qualities around being that weightlifting coach. 
Now, some people only know me in the business context, you know, so that's how they see me. That's how they view you. People will see you in the context of how they know you. And if that's not the context that you want to be known for, you have to change that context. And the way you do that is to separate yourself from that environment. Um, again, that can be incredibly difficult to do. Uh, like I said, your family members might see you one way. Uh, to, but to change that context, a lot of times it can take an incredible amount of time um, if you are going to change it. But most times people, they, they only know you in one way. And to get them to change that perception about you and that context about you can be incredibly difficult. Sometimes you have to change them out of your life, basically get rid of them or move away from that. Yeah, to stop that consistent pushback that you'll get yeah. from them as well. Right. Yeah. So when we talked about, like I said, motivation, then doing your goal setting, do you find that or, you know, we don't do it on a time schedule. You've said it's, it's far better to actually find your, your end goal and then work back from there and your steps to do it. Uh, do you set those steps as you're going through as where you're going to reassess that end goal and potentially it needs to move? Suddenly you've found something else that's jumped in there or you've found somewhere you need to, like you said, deviate go around and then do that. And then from there, do you do that for, like you said, do people do it for a work goal? Do they just keep it as a personal goal? Do we end up with two different pathways and we're trying to, we're trying to aim for a a work or professional one and then uh, a personal one. When you're working with someone or talking about that stuff, do you find it's better to try and nut them down and find that they've definitely got what motivates them and their end goal or their passion about it? Do they need to split it? Do we need to say that one's got to be a personal and one's got to be a business or a, a sort of a job or position role? Uh, first of all, just going back to my, my goals are time bound. I just don't say, you know, five years where I want to be is time bound to that specific goal. Um, as I go through each one of those steps, I'll, I'll reassess either monthly or quarterly, depending on the time frame of the tasks that need to be done. And that's actually sitting down, going back to those original steps and and seeing where am I? Am I making progress to that? You know, I thought this first step was going to take, you know, three months. Here it is four months. Okay, why am I off track? Did I miscalculate? Has something happened? Uh, What do I need to do to get back on track so that I can go on to step two? You know, are there steps I can do concurrently? Um, You know, but when you look at goal setting for people, and the, well, let me really address the um, the work life balance thing. You know, the, that's a big thing. Work life balance, mm. massive. And yeah, it's. But I actually, I don't see them as being. It's not necessarily that you have to be balanced. I think they have to be in equilibrium, which is basically another work of balance. But um, if your personal life is shit, your work life is going to be shit. If your work life is shit, your personal life is going to be shit. They do carry over into each other. So you have to find a way, you know, one, to not have both of them be bad at the same time. Or, you know, like I said, sometimes there's going to be stresses at work that you could potentially bring home. And you usually want those stresses to be around like deadlines, certain work things, stuff like that. You don't want those stresses to be around other aspects like bullying and relationships and, and job satisfaction. So, um yeah, and the same thing in your personal life as well. There's going to be stresses there too. So there could be financial stresses. There could be stress, particularly you have young children, you know, and they're driving you up the wall because they've been on school holidays, just sitting around the house and, you know, or, or whatever. You know, there could be conflict there with your, you don't want to be where it's conflict with your partner all the time. 
know, every single day, all you're doing is fighting, particularly not if it's like a domestic violence situation, stuff like that. You know, you got to look at um, how do we actually get one to a state to where it's optimal and then get the other one too. And when they're both in the optimal state, you know, you're going to feel fulfilled. You're going to feel better. Man, whenever you look at goal setting, whether it be a career goal, you know, I want to reach this next level promotion or I want to reach this qualification to, you know, increase my career prospects or there, there's going to be a trade-off in the personal life probably. Um, you know, particularly at, at work, it, it might have to require you to take time out of your personal life to go to training, you know, to do a qual- you know, another qualification, uh, to attend conferences or whatever, uh, or to be more, um, you know, I guess network a bit more within the organization at different events and things like that or representing the, the organization, whatever it might be. And then there could be goals in the personal life you want to achieve too. And I think with that, it's going to be different for every person, depending on what it is they want to achieve. But you do have to take both aspects into account, whether you're career planning and setting goals for your work life or doing personal goal setting Uh you know, a good example, you know, in particular with you guys is someone who wants to, you know, lose weight and get fit. You're going to have to look at their personal life. When do you have time to do your workouts? How are you structuring your, your meals and things like that? And are you able to do that during your work life? So, again, that's going to affect their work life because they're going to have to have access to, you know, proper amount of foods and prop the right foods at the right time or what's available at work. You know, it's a, it's a very small thing, but people actually don't think about that but it does affect your work life or could you do have to take those things into account. So I think really you have to look at the holistic person or the person as a whole and just understand that, you know, work life is just this little part of it. Um, Personal life is just this part of it. And then within both of those has, we have, you know, relationships, we have tasks that we're doing, we have all these other things that we're doing. Uh, You know, going back to the, the fitness bit too, you know, what's their job like? Is it physical or is they sit, are they sitting behind a desk every day? You know, you have to take all these things into account. What's their personal life like? If they're not in a good relationship, you know, that could be mentally abusive, uh, that's going to affect their, their training ability. It's really going to affect their, their work ability. And again, it's, and I've always taken the, I guess the, the approach as a, as a leader at work is to understand the whole person. I don't necessarily need to know all the facts that's going on, but I do need to understand what's happening in their life, you know, have they lost a loved one and that's why they're stressed and upset? Is their relationship, you know, going through a massive divorce, for example, or, you know, is there trouble with their children, whatever it might be that's causing them stress that's coming here and it's affecting their workability. It gives you a reason. So it changes your approach or informs your approach to use with that individual, but it's never an excuse. So we can never use stresses in our own life as an excuse for bad behavior. Um, and, and, and I'm big on that too. Yeah, it's a reason why this might be happening, but it's not an excuse why. We still need to correct that thing. But one of the ways we can correct that is actually going back and looking at these other factors that are causing this and helping them to address that or get the appropriate help to address that and helping them through that. And and I think being realistic, like you say, with those ones where you can definitely see there is a trade-off with with your work or with your personal goal and what you're doing and, and understanding that that's probably not going to work with what you're doing and, and trying to work around it so you can make it as a, as a set task or it's measurable or it's able to fit. It's no good setting yourself up with a goal or setting yourself up with somewhere you're getting to without knowing that those steps are going to have to have payoffs on either side. Yeah, yeah. And then um, going back to that too is you really have to understand from the individual 
who are they doing this for? You know, if you ask a lot of people, you know, what's your driver? Why are you doing this? Who are you doing it for? Particularly if you have children, they say, I'm doing it for my kids. Okay, well, that, that's all well and good. And it's actually something that um, that Dan Withers at VitaFit in Lockhampton would say, you know, he'd give the example, if you fall over, what happens to your kids? You know, who looks after them? So you kind of have to put yourself first. You have to do things for yourself. And it sounds selfish. And some people, they don't want to go there because it sounds selfish, but you have to be selfish. Um, but then you look at everything you do in life. Why do you buy a house? You know, is it for yourself? Is it for everybody else? Why do you buy a car you drive? Is it for yourself or for everybody else? A lot of people, they want to do things for everybody else or to impress somebody else or to have this image of something that, you know, they're, they're potentially not, you know, you buy your house for yourself, you buy your car for yourself, you're in a relationship with somebody for yourself and for that other person, not for anybody else. Um, you know, you're in a job that you want because it's what you want to do, not what somebody else wants you to do. And, you know, going back to that, so self is a big driver and understanding self and why you're doing these things and, and who you're doing it for and not doing it for anybody else but yourself. So you say people have found that they're in a little bit of a mess by now listening to maybe their job's not right, their home life isn't right, um, maybe their fitness isn't there, their nutrition isn't there. So they have all of these things that are not optimal in every area of their life. What's realistic for them to be able to aim to change if we're looking at an actionable number of goals or things that they want to change because they're yeah. going to want to change everything at once because if it's all terrible, why not make it all good? Yeah. So what's how do you find the big ticket item that's going to change the most? Like how do you triage? Uh, I suppose it's probably bang for your buck. Yeah, so that, that's actually a good one. So First of all, I'm not advocating that, like, if you got into an argument with your partner this morning, don't go and pack all their shit up and move it out on the front lawn. <laughs> like, you might not be to that point just yet. Right. Uh, or maybe it is just enough to kind of get you to motivated to go do that and you needed to. Um, or, you know, go in and resign from your, your job. Um, you know, you have to be smart about things, first of all. One, it, it's everything is not going to be kind of in line and, and great all the time. You know, it might be something pops up over here. You take care of it, something pops up over here, you know, but it's just finding that balance throughout your life. Um, that, you know, that perfect stasis where everything is kind of just going and flowing, but eventually something's going to hit, you know, the wall and you're going to have to address it. And depending on, you know, there's different levels of, of I guess, um, bad stuff that can happen. But if, let's say your job's not right, your personal life is not right. Um, you know, whatever, you're not where you're at with your fitness. It's doing things in small increments. If you went and you try to change your whole life all at once, just like that, you know, go quit your job, kick your partner to the curb, show up at the gym suddenly because you're going to do this, you're, you're going to fail. So because you're trying to do too much at once, you know, typically people can only handle about three to five goals at a time. If you look at, you know, something called span and control, they use it a lot around supervision. You know, three to seven people are the most you can effectively supervise at any one time. Um, same thing with goals too. Three to five goals. And usually you want to have like one to two major goals and probably like three or four smaller goals sitting under that. That's about all you can effectively manage at a time and actually achieve them. If you try to do too much at once, you just end up chasing your tail. And you're all over the place. So it's like um, trying to you know, kill a fly with a shotgun. You end up with shots just everywhere and you're probably going to miss whatever you're aiming at. Hmm. But um, 
you know, so you really have to step back and say, which one of these things matters to you most to fix first? And you can almost use the same kind of uh, philosophy you do around debt. You know, you have the snowball or the avalanche. So the avalanche is where you start at your biggest debt and you pay it off first and work your way down. The snowball is where you start at your smallest debt and you work your way up to the biggest debt. Same thing. You can either start at the smallest thing that you can change right now, get a quick win on the board. That could be starting to work on your fitness. I'm going to show up at uh, Vivid Movement and Performance every day. And I'm going to work with Katie and Ben and they're going to help me you know, achieve my fitness goals. And that's a small thing. And then the next thing you go up to is, all right, now that that's going there, you know, I've got my fitness under control. I'm feeling better about myself. I'm building confidence. You know, my weight's where I want it to be. My nutrition's doing really good. Now I'm going to go fix my, you know, personal relationship. Or now I'm going to go do something at work, you know, that needs to be fixed there, address something. Um, or you could just say, I'm going to start with the biggest one first. You know, the job's the number one, you know, place of stress in my life. I'm going to go find a new job or, change careers or, you know, whatever it might be. And you start with the big one first and then you start working down. But I'd say, you know, that would really depend on the person again. What What is it that they want to do? Um, personally, I would probably start with something, you know, for self. So I would be the guy that would show up, you know, if I felt like I was out of shape and um, not that, I, I would start on that first, start on myself first, because once you start feeling better about yourself, be more confident, you know, you're thinking clear because you're eating well, you know, you're, you're a little bit fitter, then you can actually look at things a bit differently. You know, your perspective will change on things. You'll actually be able to address other stresses in your life a bit easier as you do that. Uh, so, yeah, so that's probably where, where I would start. But again, it's really going to depend on the individual. And that's the thing, you know, if, if someone is thinking about doing this, don't just go do what everybody else is doing. Do what you feel like is best for you. Yeah. So do you have any um, strategies for them to help find what they feel is best to them for them? And obviously there's the sitting down and thinking about it, but how to differentiate whether they're doing things for other people or for themselves. Because I think after so long of doing things for other people, people get caught in the trap of thinking, but it it has to be for myself because I've done it for this long or this much. Yeah. And, and you'll say that. And actually, um, yeah, that kind of trap, you see that a lot with mothers, actually. Um, you know, usually it's the mother that takes time off work to raise the children, you know, until they go back to school. And usually it's the mother that they're doing the school drop-offs and pickups, you know, they're making the lunches, things like that. And then they get down the road and, and you know, the kids move out of the house, they've they moved on to the things and they're empty nesters. And the mom's going, what do I do now? I've been looking after these other people for so long. They, they kind of lose their own self-identity. They, they lose kind of, you know, really kind of any kind of stimulus within their own life to achieve things for themselves. Uh, and, you know, sometimes when they, they do get the empty nester bit, there's almost a, a sense of sadness and things for, you know, a little while. And then they are able to start getting back to themselves and doing things for themselves. But um, you can get that way at any time. You know, you just feel like, oh, I've kind of, I've been putting so much into this job or so much into this business or so much into this relationship. I really haven't made anything about me. And it's important to always have something that makes you feel like yourself or to feel like you're doing something for yourself. You know, for some people, it could just be 10 or 15 minutes in the morning before anybody else in the house gets up and you're having a coffee by yourself because that's what you enjoy the most. That's where you recharge your batteries. You know, for me, it's my workouts. So 
I go in, I work out by myself. Usually that's my time. That's what I do. That's where I feel the best. That's what I'm going to focus on. Um, you know, but it, it could be different for every person, you know, it's, it, but it's still finding, it's not losing your own self-identity. It's finding what is it that makes you feel like you and still trying to achieve things for you, whether they're small things or big things, you know, some people that 10, 15 minute quiet time in the morning, that's a huge win for them. You know, no TV, no email, nothing, just sitting in quiet, you know, enjoying something for yourself. That's a huge win. And if that's the only win you can get, then go for it and enjoy it. Uh, you know, if you can increase that, you know, at all, you know, see if you can. But I think it's, yeah, it's that really defining what is it that makes me feel like I'm giving back to myself and then going and doing that. Because I think also with that is is if you've you've got that bit of time where you understand that doesn't necessarily have to be working directly to your goal, like your main big end goal. Whereas like you were saying, is that 10 or 15 minutes every day that helps you recharge your batteries. And that's what you're looking for. Or like you were saying is your workout. And I know it's the same for myself. And I think mm-hmm. Katie as well is is doing that by yourself or being able to have that bit of time for it. It might not necessarily be actually anywhere near or a step even towards that end goal, but it's something that's helping me be able to be okay within myself, be okay with me and be happy with what I'm doing so I know that I can go out and fight for what it is or or know I can go out and look at those goals to get to that end one or that big avalanche one that I'm looking at. And it gives you thinking room as well and just a different perception like it changes your perception of everything else once you've had that time to go through and some of like I know for you as well Blake like it's where you have some of your best ideas because you're doing something and you're not you're not trying you're not sitting down in front of a whiteboard Mm -hmm. going go think what are your ideas let's get this done you're able to have that thinking room because there's no pressure and you're doing something that's moving your body so that that's when those best ideas come up so i know that you have a whiteboard don't you and you write down all of your ideas i do actually it's my kind of my idea board and um it's actually um it's mounted on the wall in my gym at home and yeah like you know sitting there whether it be listening to a podcast listening to music you know whatever i've decided to do that day while i'm working out uh, you get these kind of, you know, well, you're spending time with yourself. So you, you start thinking about things, you get these ideas that come up. And um, I actually found that, you know, I would think about them while I was working out. Oh, that's really great. You know, that, that that's, you know, something I need to do or something I want to do or, or try or something I need to tell somebody. And, and then I quit my workout or stop my workout at the end. I, I'd go eat my brekkie and then I would forget what it was that I had the idea or it's just not as, you know, as congruent, I guess. So uh, yeah, I actually intentionally put this whiteboard in my gym. And whenever I have an idea, I'm like, oh, this is great. And I'll go and write it down. And then at the end of the workout, I'll take a photo of it. And then it helps, you know, helps me remember later on whenever I'm actually sitting down with someone or, or ready to do something. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use that time. I'll actually, you know, if, if I feel like I'm stuck with something, I'll, you know, like I said, you can't sometimes you know, force yourself to do something. It's like telling someone, be creative. And you're like, well, how do you do that? You know, you can't force someone sometimes to think of ideas and think of solutions, but sometimes they will just come to you in those times whenever you're just most relaxed and, you know, you're with your own thoughts. Again, you're not on social media. You're not checking your emails. You're not watching the news. You're just, you know, granted, I do listen to podcasts and, you know, sometimes ebook or audiobooks and things while I'm working out. But a lot of times there's around different ideas and stuff. And some of the ideas that come up in these podcasts and books, they get me thinking about other ideas. Um, and that too, 
you know, find out whenever you, where your inspiration comes from and how it comes to you. And then, you know, plan things around that. You know, not everybody is very inspirational or gets these bits of inspiration ideas at, you know, 530 in the morning because I'm a morning person. Some people it happens at 10 o'clock at night will understand your body and your own cycle and when you can actually do those things, um, you know, or when you actually feel most like yourself or have your most energy and focus your time around those, those times of the day. Yeah. And um, that just comes through trial and error as well. Oh yeah, it does. Um, Cause you might think one thing and then it, it really isn't another. Again, sometimes it, whenever you try to force it the most too, it, it's not going to happen. Um, or you find that you are trying to force it, uh, you know, those ideas, but uh, you know, and different ideas. People, oh, sorry, Ben. Yeah. You're right. And, and with also that, I think, it's better sometimes to take that step back. And sometimes when you're so focused on one thing, like you said, and, and you, you find it easier when you're working out to, to write that stuff down and get it, it's, it sometimes just comes to you when you're away from it and you've had a chance, you've had such a big either there's a problem or an issue or something you're trying to sort out with a certain, a certain task you have. If you're at it for so long, sometimes you can – just have missed and get stuck down a certain train of thought that you need to actually take a step back and look at where you started or look at what's happening in the bigger picture to be able to see what's going on. And it could certainly then come to you in your mind of how to find that solution or, or where you're going to go from here. Yeah, definitely. I would um, encourage people to find the time in your day that requires the least amount of effort to think. Um, and I'll give you an example of that. Uh, and this probably sounds bad, but driving, you know, having lived in the outback, anywhere you go, it's hours and hours to get there. Um, and, you know, out west, it's just flat. It's open. There's not a lot. Now, granted, you need to pay attention so you don't get an accident and kill yourself. But same thing, too. Always a good thing to concentrate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, too, you, you kind of, you don't have a lot of other thoughts, you know, when you're driving, you know, you can turn on the radio and just sing along or whatever for hours or, or whatnot, but you know, every now and again, turn the radio off and just drive with yourself and, and you know, not, then you'll be surprised like what kind of thoughts come up to you, you know, come up in your mind. And uh, same thing too, like when you're working out, it doesn't require a lot of thought to work out, you know, um, particularly when you're lifting weights, you know, I go do a set and then I rest three to five minutes, depending on, you know, my volume and things like that and your intensity, excuse me. But, um, you know, doing heavy sets, you sit in there between the set, got three minutes just to wait till the next set. And then you go do another set and you're not thinking a lot, but you'll be surprised the thoughts that come up, uh, the things you actually start thinking about when you just free your mind and you're not specifically trying to focus on something. Um, you know, have, could you, be, have you yeah. with working, um, Blake, with a lot of people over time um, and a fair few years, have you found now with the rise more of social media, your YouTubing, you're all that stuff, people on everything, continue doing. I just know it seems to be the fact that a lot of people can't handle not being stimulated as far as visually or listening or a lot of people can't sit with their own thoughts and actually 
I think it's reprocess because at the end of the day, yeah. every time uh, when I've done a job or we've done task or done something, usually at the end of the day, I'm I'm going through and most people will usually do it at the end of the day, a recounting of all the steps they've done for the day. So where they were in the morning, what they've done, what they've achieved, have I achieved anything? Am I going to be able to go on with that tomorrow? Where do I have to be? What's going on? Before they can end up turning it off for the night and going to bed. So they've gone through everything they've mm-hmm. done. But the things in a lot of cases is people have been so pumped and we can't do it. You see it so much now as well in, in lines of where people are just on their phones, just flicking through all the time. I forget what it is now. We're almost like goldfish as far as a two-second stimulation, you know, two seconds memory yeah. before we've moved on to something else. So the thing is I think it's, it's a skill that people have lost a lot of as well as to be able to be by themselves with their own thoughts and not have to have something continually pumped into them to think of, I've got to be doing something or I've got to know something. So like I say, if you are and you are struggling with it, is allocate that time. Like Blake said about, I think that's the best thing is whether you're a morning or an evening person, Mm -hmm. set that time aside, find where it is that you can be by yourself or you can be quiet and not have to have. And like you said, if it's driving, if it's something like that, find that it's all right to do that. And sometimes the easiest way I think to ease yourself into that is to find something where you would doing something um, either you're moving your body or you're driving. There's some, something else that you're doing without, and then take away any of that external stimulation. So like you might work out, which means that you're doing something with your body, but you don't have music on. Yeah. which means that now you're thinking but you're also doing something. Because I totally wouldn't suggest for someone to do brain surgery and be thinking about something else <laughs> unless they're very good. Unless you're very good. Unless you're, you're amazing. Do, it's second nature. It's second All nature. All brains are the same once you've looked at a couple. Yeah. <laughs> with, with social media, though, it's 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 really incredible and that, that stimulus. So one, one of the things I like, first of all, is how the iPhone every Sunday, I think it is, it pops up and gives me like my weekly usage. Mm. It's great time. Yeah, well, so, yeah, your screen time. And I always try to try to reduce that every week, you know, um, whatever it is. But I think one, it gives you a realistic view of, of how long you've actually spent on these things. But two, um, you know, there's been studies that have been done around social media usage, and it's very similar to drug usage. So if they were to take that away from them, they're going to start having withdrawal symptoms. You know, they, they really do. And it creates anxiety for a lot of people who are, you know, they're addicted to social media. They have to be on it every single day. They have to check it. Whether or not they're posting, they're checking it. They're reading it. You know, they're going through, um, you know, and doing those things. And whenever they don't have it, it's very similar to that withdrawal of not having that drug too. So it's it's actually approaching it from that aspect and going, well, that's not as easy sometimes as just putting that phone down for an hour because you're going to experience some very real anxiety for yourself. And, um can I can I give you an example there, Blake? I, yeah, yeah. There was a guy that I, I, I work with and his wife is actually a teacher at a school and there was a, a young girl that ended up being there. I think, I don't know how old, maybe grade 10 or something like that, uh, 9 or 10, but she had left her phone at home or she didn't have her phone with her, but she was actually that anxious and had that much anxiety of not having her phone uh, that his wife, gave her her phone, locked it, and turned it off. And all she needed to have was just to be holding her phone with her for the day. So she just needed while she was at school to know that she had a phone. Didn't Wasn't able to turn it on, wasn't able to do anything with it. She actually gave her her phone to hold on to it. Turned off with locked, like not able to unlock it or do anything with it. Uh, But it was just the anxiety of her not having. She had forgotten her phone at home, didn't have it 
couldn't find, like she knew it was at home, didn't know where it was, but just the anxiety that built up from her not having a phone when she's used to having it all the time. It's just like someone trying to quit smoking. A lot of the addiction or some of the addiction around smoking is, is the action of actually, you know, bringing the cigarette to your mouth and you have to replace that action with something, you know, they tell you to do with mints or something like that, or, you know, replace with something else, but it, it is, you know, it is the very same as an addiction to those things. So, and that's incredible, you know, that we can become addicted to something like that, but it, it's a reality. So it's how do we actually address that addiction to get people to break that cycle? You know, those of us, I think that were around before social media that are, you know, the ancient ones, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's probably a little bit easier for us because we know what it was like. You know, we remember back in the day when you had to wait till somebody was actually at home before you could talk to them, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it's just not like that now. But I think in, you know, it comes back too to the challenges of, of parenting as well. You know, when I grew up, we didn't have social media. Um, you know, we didn't have <laughs> the internet. Uh, we didn't have mobile phones. We didn't have, 24-7 stimulus available to us. It wasn't um, quite as far back as with the cups and the string, though, was no, it? No, no, not, not quite <laughs> no, that far no, back. No, no, that's well, I was going to say carving into rocks and then shipping them <laughs> yeah. to There's a majority <laughs> of people out there wouldn't understand when a telephone used to have the numbers that used to have to, like, one, oh, yeah, two. You, spin, you, have to, you used to have to spin up. Especially if it was a zero or, or no, it was nine. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah all the way. That's exactly yeah, right. But, um, uh, but, you know, but nowadays, you know, kids, they, they're stimulated 24-7 or they have these, the availability of having these stimuli around them mm-hmm. 24-7 through tablets, through mobile phones, whatever, uh, social media, all these other things. And, you know, a lot of parents actually don't know how to address it because, you know, we see it, we think, oh, it's silly that they, you know, can't be without their phone. But again, when you step back and you approach it from a an addiction standpoint, it, it's not that silly when you look at it. It's very serious. Um, and, you know, that monkey anxiety. See, that, monkey see, monkey do, because usually yeah. you can spin it around if the children was to actually look at the parents. In most cases, they probably see the same thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, um, no, so that's an interesting one. I think it's going to be a big challenge, particularly, you know, in part of the next 10 to 20 years is how do we actually disconnect even more, mm-hmm. you know, um, as a society. Uh, I think that that's something that that we need to do. And I think it's something like we've seen with kids a lot as well is that because they always have an iPad or a phone or something and they're constantly on that device, the dopamine hit and all of the adrenaline that they're getting from being on that device all the time, and especially in games when they're constantly winning things and getting better and leveling up, they're no longer satisfied with just being outside and playing or just interacting with another kid or doing something because the adrenaline rush or the dopamine hit that they're getting isn't high enough to what they get when they're on a screen. So all of a sudden that stuff's not good enough. So even just trying to make them get outside and do those things, they've been conditioned to be on these devices so that then it's so much harder. So you're dealing with that withdrawal from that plus then also trying to get them to do something that seems so much worse and it's going to be uncomfortable like they'll sweat or there's bugs or like that's the worst <laughs> thing in the world yeah it's um it's interesting so you know uh, uh i guess the listeners or whatever don't know i have a nine-year-old son james and you know when it was raining over the last few days he's actually out in the backyard like playing in the mud with his little soldiers like digging in the mud, playing in the mud. You don't see a lot of kids do that anymore. 
you know, you get some comments sometimes from, from people who go, oh, you know, that, that's so cruel to let him do that. Well, what do you mean that's cruel? He's playing outside. Yeah, it's just raining. He's getting wet. You know, if he doesn't take a shower, too, he gets yeah. wet then, too. But, you know, that's part of it. You know, you get outside, enjoy nature, go on a walk, go on a hike. You know, it, it's just incredible how many kids that are so sedentary. You know, they, you know, they, they come in to, to do a workout and they can't even do a proper squat. You know, or kids, they, they can't do a push up or a pull up. And, mm. um, you know, that's just, to me, that's just incredible. We got to build some kind of, you know, physicality back into our lives. Just, and it doesn't have to be extreme, just to keep moving, just to keep healthy. Um, you know, but not only for physical health, but mental health as well. Yeah, yeah, that for sure. It's um certainly a big struggle that we see, um, you know, through gyms or uh, through walking around and just seeing so many kids. Just I don't know if you remember, you would probably, Katie probably won't, but <laughs> the the movie. You remember the movie that had the alien? I seen one the other day on social media. Hence, um, they had where the alien jumped on the face. Remember the movie Sigourney Weaver with Alien? Yeah, Alien. And she yeah. jumped on it on the face, and they had a picture of a of her in the movie or someone in the movie with the alien on her face. And then they had a picture straight underneath it of what's different and had someone with a phone straight to their phone. Oh, yeah. They were just like <laughs> looking straight at the face. It's like, you know, this was something we were trying to get away from yet. This is something where we can't get enough of. And it's something yeah. I can't find at work. It's really hard to see where you got to spend eight to 10 hours a day. Like you're saying on a, on a screen with a computer doing something. And then we're trying to race home to spend another two or three hours of an afternoon on our phone or on another on screen, screen showing a different on another picture. screen doing when you've had the chance. And I think now that the, the COVID stuff is going on and there's going to be a lot of more people working from either home for either a couple of days a week or a week about where they're in an office for a week and potentially at home for a week or one or two days a week working from home um, is that whole thought of being able to get outside. This is now oh, the yeah. chance for you to be able to even it up a little be able to get outside on those days where you're at home and to break it up in your own environment. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the, um, the big issues too with things like that as well is uh, social media is changing the way people view relationships or the way people are in relationships with other people. Um, you know, I feel like the big thing now is, you know, people won't, won't call, they just send you a message. You know, we're, we're losing that face-to-face interaction, that ability to communicate those interpersonal skills, the relationship skills, you know, because all the relationships, they're electronic now. They're not personable. Uh, and I think that, you know, that's another place that we need to to change as well. Are you guys still there? Yeah, they're good. We just saw well, a very saw pretty a very picture, picture of your of face. Yourself. It wasn't posed yeah. in any way. Background definitely wasn't blurred. Yeah, it um, popped up. So, um uh, yeah. So anyway, there's there's a lot of things I guess with society that we can easily be critical of that we feel like we need to change. But I guess it's just how do you actually change it? And going back to that individual, it's up to the individual to change. And that's you know one of the things I've always been big on is you know as a kid, the situation that you're you're born into you can't choose. The the life that you're I guess you're put through as you're growing up, you know, while you're in school and things, it's, it's not your fault. If it's not something that you're happy with or not something you like, it was a bad environment. It's not your fault. As an adult, it is 100% your responsibility. 
So if you're in a situation or you're in an environment that you're not happy with, it's your fault. You know, you've done something to get you in that situation or you haven't done something to get you out of that situation, but you are 100% responsible for every one of your failures and every one of your successes. And so you can't blame anybody else. So again, you have to take that responsibility. And some people say, oh, what about people that are, you know, um, born into, you know, really socioeconomic um, distressed environment, something like that, you know, how do they make it out? Well, you can't tell me they can't because people have. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been people that have come from just dirt poor nothing and have actually achieved great success, you know. And again, depending on how you define success, you can achieve success, but it's your responsibility to take that first step, to do the planning, to make sure you're putting in the work to achieve that success. It's nobody else's responsibility to do it but you. Yeah, Yeah, it's beautiful. I think that's an awesome place to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, Blake. I'm sure there's a lot of nuggets in there that our viewers can get massive value from. And especially as we come into this um, 2021, being able to set themselves yeah. up for the year um, without going into the new year, new me, I will change everything in my life. It seems to be reset every time it rolls around the 31st to the 1st of every year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And through January, everybody's motivated and then get to February and we've all lost track again and back into that comfort zone. So, you know, I hope there is something that, you know, someone can take away from this. And, you know, if if one person actually makes a positive change in their life, then it's well worth anything that we do. And I've always been one of those people, if if you're willing to do the work, I'll be right there with you, you know, and and help you out. But if you're not, then just, you know, get out of the way and make way for someone that is. So, but thank you very much for having me on. Where can everyone catch up with you if they need to get some more information or able to, um, chase down and, and I know you said you got your book so a bit of a plug for your book as well yeah so the the book's available on all the, uh, the online platforms Amazon Booktopia I think it's available in like 20 something countries last time I checked so um, yeah so it's available there same thing podcast strategy leadership and impact it's available on all the all the big platforms I think it's available 11 platforms uh, all over the world too um, but you can Connect with me at blakerepine.com.au through my website. Uh, also, soldier2executive.com is another website you can reach me through. Wouldn't suggest going through that. Um, you can also connect with me on all the social media sites, so LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Blake Repine or Blake Repine Official and connect with me through there, and you can DM me, message me, whatever, if you have a question or you know, just would like for me to expand on anything or, or however I can be of assistance and help. So. Beautiful. And if you viewers, if you have any questions for Blake at all, he is, like you just said, very, very willing to help. Um, so absolutely send him that message. Give him a follow on Instagram to keep up with what he does. He's quite active on yeah. there, which is awesome. Yep. So, all right. Thank you very much, Blake. Thank you. Thank you, viewers, for tuning in to another episode of 360 View. You can follow us on Instagram at 360view.co to stay up to date with everything we're doing and tag us in your podcast listening. If you found value in today's episode, leave us a like, a review, and a five-star rating. If you know someone who could benefit from listening to this episode, give it a share. And if you have any questions, shoot us a DM on Instagram and we'll answer them on the show. Thanks again, viewers, and we'll chat to you in the next one.